Welcome back to the Max Effort Kitchen Podcast. We got a great segment for you. It's called The Athlete and the Chef. So sit back, relax, and let's go. All right, welcome to Max Effort Kitchen. Uh, welcome, Cornell. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Just got out of the hot tub and the cold tub and just took a big drink of uh, liquid death. And the the bubbles aren't like uh, LaCroix, but they still got to me a little bit. So, Yeah, they. that's what I kind of like about the liquid death is you, in most cases, you can just chug that thing. Yeah. I don't like the new 19-ounce version. Uh, I oh, believe I that – so they're just a, a bigger can – uh, yeah, you yeah. pay per ounce the exact same, but you get, I believe, eight instead of 12 drinks. Okay. But I would rather have 12. I mean, if I could get 12-ounce ones, I'd yeah. totally get 12-ounce. My kid totally messed with my brain when I was gone, <laughs> and he took one of the cans, and he like very meticulously cut it and then like tucked it into itself and made it look like a 12-ounce. <laughs> and nice. I think he was in bed already. I forgot where I was. Oh, I was when I was in uh, AO2. And yeah. I, I got home and I sat on the counter and before I went to sleep, I'm getting in bed at like one in the morning. I'm looking up 12 ounce liquid death to order. <laughs> he totally got me. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I, I, lo- I like a, a good prank, especially like when you're gone for the weekend, you come home and like, you know, it's just, it's, it's fun. It, it, it's fun to have those. I, we'll do those within the house here. Generally the prank is done on my wife, but, uh, yeah, they're they're fun to do. <laughs> nice, man. How was your weekend? Did you have a have a good weekend? I know that uh, there was some training involved and some food involved, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was good. Training went well. Uh, yeah, no no complaints there. Uh, it's funny. Saturdays have been the program is a little bit lighter, but it's one of those percentages where, like, I talked to my coach and I talked to my one of my training partners, Nick. And last week I was like, Hey, we, I can't, I can't just do like 75% for a power snatch. Cause that's literally the number. So I, when I warm up and snatch, whether it's power or full, I do a bunch of reps at 50 and then I go to 90 right. and 70 or 75% of the power is like 93 kilos. And I'm like, I, I can't just do that weight because that's okay. Because I go 50 and then I'm at a working set after that. And I'm, I just can't, it doesn't comprehend in my body. So interesting. Saturdays, yeah, no, that makes sense. Saturdays, I'll generally push the power a little bit, not a lot. Okay. So I'll go up yeah. to like uh, 110 for the complex. And then I'll maybe take a couple of bonus reps. And uh, it's nice because it is so much lighter than my real snatch that. I still can recover from it so fast and easy. it's not like something that I'm having to recover from. Yeah. I mean, that's the, and that's the way I look at uh, Saturday training or, or it's just any weekend training as it is. Is it like they're primers? Um, they're not like, I'm not trying to beat myself up because I, I probably most likely did that on Fridays and like, it's just like, keep the blood moving, you know, not, not get sore, prime yourself for Monday I've always found that like when I do that, cause I'm not consistent with the weekend stuff and you know, I hit a consistent four days a week, but when I do a put in a weekend session, man, Monday comes and all of a sudden I'm like, 
I'm feeling, I'm feeling and moving really good. And I kind of, I just kind of like that. So I don't know. Yeah. This Friday I'm going to be missing most likely unless something happens and I go in real early cause it's my son's birthday and he's, oh, nice. we're doing a, I'm pretty sure I have to be there. I don't actually, maybe I don't have to be there. <laughs> They're going to a, uh, I think it's called get air. I don't know if they have those up in Oregon. It's like a trampoline park. Yeah, they have something like that. Yes. But the one he wants to go to specifically has like a whole parkour area. Oh, nice. And then they're watching Gran Turismo. I don't know if you saw that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but um, they also have track meet on Friday. So they get off, I think, at like 1230 or 1. And then they're planning on coming back to the house, eating some food, watching the movie, kind of resting, and then going to get air after that. Nice. That's so cool. Maybe I'm not needed, but if I if I am needed, <laughs> if I am needed, I know Saturday is going to be a real good session because I feel like whenever yeah. I miss a Friday, I'll lift Monday, Wednesday, skip Friday, just that extra day of rest. Saturday is always like I can go big that day if I want. See, and now that right there is a huge. There's a huge gap between a garage lifter and somebody who lifts at a at a physical gym. Um, because my Saturdays, if I miss Friday, my Saturdays suck ass. And like, and it's just because like, you know, Saturday around here, it's like, you know, food shopping, you know, doing errands kind of just more of a relaxed mode. I find that when I get off of work, I have this, um, level of, of it's, I've already been go, 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 go all day. Now I'm ready to just like, you know, get on the platform and keep on going, so I'm already primed up and ready, but like Saturdays, I wake up a little later. I drink my coffee slower. You know, my mind may not be <laughs> all there. And so it's like, I try to emulate the three o'clock training. It never works out for me, but um, it is good for primers. So yeah, I mean, I like weekend training. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've had a very food filled weekend. I kind of went, went through it on the polo a little bit, but like, Man, I, okay, so I, I don't know if you know my, my whole theory on this, but I, I don't go to steakhouses. Like, I think steakhouses are <laughs> the biggest waste of money because Amen. you're going to go there and pay, you know, <laughs> 60 bucks for a steak you can buy for probably 10 bucks in the store. Um, and I can make it better. And we, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, we, but we had some family in town, some of Alana's cousins, and Wanted to take them out to a nice restaurant, and there's a place called the Laurelhurst Market, which it I guess it's technically a steakhouse. I was looking it up, and it's technically a steakhouse. But what it is is it, it was an old-school butcher, and then like this uh, chef group came in and was like, hey, let's can we build a restaurant on the side of your butcher, and you supply all our meat? And uh, you know they were all about it, and it's been, it's been a staple in Portland for I think almost for 12, 13 years. I mean, it's one of the best burgers I've ever t- tasted, and primarily because they grind the meat there. They're like, you order the burger, they're grinding the meat. It's oh, it's wow. that. It's like super fresh. But I had a hanger steak last night. Have you ever had a hanger steak oh, before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite, and I, I to this day, like I am a big ribeye fan. Yeah, like ribeye is usually my go-to at all times. <laughs> I think the last night might have changed my mind because th- this was like. First, there's two people at the table that ordered the hanger steak and they switched up the cooks. And so I like my medium rare. 
she ordered hers uh, medium. And I started eating hers. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so good. And she goes, I think you got mine. I switched. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so much better. <laughs> but, like, there was the point of that was that, like, there's there was nothing bad about this cut of meat. And I, I just hands down, I, I think I've switched. I think I've switched. Now, I if, if I can find a hanger steak, because that's not a common one that you can find regularly Correct. around here. Yeah. But every once yeah. in a while, Costco will have them. And they'll yeah. be, like. Uh, shrink wrapped and marinating in just salt salt water mm-hmm. and like i literally do nothing else and it's amazing <laughs> yeah. yeah i uh I, i'll tell you it's um it's one of those things that it just it's one of the most flavorful cuts of meats for me and because it has the best marbling it's thin it, it's it sears really nice i i don't know um so anyways, you know, uh, yeah, hanger steak's a way to go. I also, let's see, and um, I like to just, you know, when I go out to dinner with people, um, if it's like, if it's somebody I, first of all, I hadn't met them, so I was trying kind of trying to impress them a little bit, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, I go, let me, let me do the ordering of the first part. So we, you know, we got a bunch of like pâtés and, and, uh, and cured meats and cheeses, and they make house pa- house-made pickles that are the best. Then we got some like um, some seared and braised uh, octopus, which was freaking amazing. Um, beet salad, man, it was it was just a good night. Really good, uh, old fashioned. Can't I mean they they take the the orange peel and they actually at the table they'll light it on fire and drop it in. Wow, uh, I kind of like that look. I mean, you know, it's it's all for show showmanship. Sure, <laughs> like, I could it, maybe it got a little smoky, but whatever. It was it was cool. Um, anyways, and then (laughs) I get up this morning and I'm like, well, I haven't eaten enough food, so let's make a freaking four four course brunch. (laughs) And that was, uh, (laughs) that was fun. I made some, Maddie came in the kitchen. We cooked together, made a big old brunch, you know, quiche, French toast. Uh, I made some pumpkin loaf. Yeah, dude, it was, uh, some potatoes. Uh, It was, it was good time. I've had a good weekend of food. A very, very fortunate That sounds great. I'm like trying to not eat right now because I'm, (laughs) but today, no, but today I was like, screw it. I'm just gonna, um, like I said, I, I eat a lot of hamburgers. I haven't eaten a lot of hamburgers recently though, because my family's just kind of over it. So I just, I always ask them like, Hey, I can go to the store. What would you like to eat? Like I'll get anything. And then it's always like, Oh, I don't know. And then you're like, this and like no this no this no i'm like well i'm gonna make hamburgers and my wife was like we're having hamburgers at the party next weekend like on sunday is my son's family birthday party and friday is his kid birthday party and she's like i'm already not looking forward to like next sunday i'm like well how about i make like real hamburgers like i'll just go get the ground beef and i'll actually like smash them and do it right and she's like she's like okay whatever (laughs) <laughs> so now we have a new term where I got the, I got slider buns and I, yeah. I did make the big mistake of slider is two ounces, not four ounces. Right. <laughs> so I had these yeah. giant patties with these little <laughs> tiny buns, <laughs> uh, That's but they, we decided that from now on they will request sliders, not hamburgers. So they're like, they're totally different. 
And one of them that I made, I got a fresh pineapple and I cut it up and I, oh, I nice. mixed it up with some teriyaki sauces and some of the Korean barbecue sauce. And so that was, Heck that yeah. was one of them. But I think I ate five, four ounce. I had 20 ounces of hamburger. <laughs> wow. I was like, well, that's a, that's solid. I was dude. like, I just, I can't, <laughs> it's not going to be good tomorrow. And right, no one else right, wanted right. to eat the last bits. So I just kept going. Yeah, you just keep going with that. I recently had, uh, what was it called? I'm trying to think what it was called. It was a, it's a sandwich called uh, a chopped cheese. Have you ever heard of this before? Uh-uh. So it's where they take um, a hoagie roll and um, they take like hamburgers that they had from maybe the night before or whatever, and they chop it up and basically make it re- repurpose it to ground beef, put a bunch of uh, cheese in there, and it's on like a flat, uh, flat top. And they let the cheese melt on top and they just scoop it up and put it into the hoagie. And it's less, just like a, oh, sounds it's like a, it was, cause it was like <laughs> it, the, the bun, they actually took the bun and put it on top of the meat for a hot second and let it soak up all the juice, juice and like scooped it up. It was great. Like, I was like, what do you, why, where did this come from? And they're like, oh, it's just the, the leftover like hamburger meat that we have that we want to use. I'm like. Oh, that's Makes great. Sense. I also watched, I, I forgot the guy's name, but he's got this big beard on Instagram. He just, he loves to talk about the fat kid inside him and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> he's like, he's a chef, but I watched today yeah. where he was watching a video of him, of someone else making an enormous burger and they flipped the, <laughs> they buttered and garlic the inside of the buns and then they toasted mm-hmm. them and then they mm-hmm. flipped them upside down so that you got to taste the crunchy buttered like basically garlic bread. Oh, on top. So that's what I also did. With I these. think I saw that one. Yeah. I like that move yeah. dude, because it's like you're, so the, the, the bottom part's actually going on your tongue and I'm like, this is, yeah. this is it. I'm I need to try that. It was good. Yeah. It's a good weekend for food. Um, you know, I was, uh, thinking over the weekend and I've actually heard a couple different, uh, podcasts that have, not really talked about this specific thing, but touched on different parts of uh, training programs as of recently, it was just over the past week. And it's kind of popped in my head of like, like if I was a new lifter, like how, how would I find the right program or the slash right program slash team, I guess you could say, um, to start weightlifting on. And so I guess my question to you is like, you know, what, how did how do you know you're on the right team or how did you find the right team? I know you're I know the story of how you got into it, but like at what point are you like, yeah, this is the right team to be on? And I mind you, I'm gonna side note that is like the right team for the right time because people will be on multiple teams and that's just the way it is. But yeah, so like how do you know? How do you know that you chose the right team? Ooh. I or what do you look for? <laughs> If someone was asking me what to look for, I would say you want to look, if you don't have any experience, you want to look for something or someone who's not going to give you really any, any say in what you're doing. Like you want to give them full control in the beginning because you haven't earned having control of your training yet. You need to learn and you need to go through all the, the rough stuff and you got to go through the stuff you don't like doing. And uh, you have to go through the hypertrophy and the sets of, God forbid, yep. the sets of 20 and the squats <laughs> just so that your coach oh, can yeah. find out that oh, yeah. those don't work. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. Um, and then once, once you're not 
learning more once you're not getting better if you just find yourself stagnant and i'm not saying stagnant for i haven't made a pr in three weeks i'm saying stagnant of you haven't made prs in years um yeah that because you're still going to be learning you're still going to be getting more out of it you're still going to be getting stronger but then it might be time to move on or depending on what your relationship is with your coach um Mm -hmm. a good coach will as time goes on, start to give you more and more say in what you're doing and you can converse about your programming and the modifications that are being done. A bad coach is not going to want you to ever do anything different than what they tell you to do. Um, But in the beginning, it is very, it's good for them to just kind of take over and not give you any say, but also it needs to be very structured. Uh, They need to explain a lot of stuff. I see things oftentimes, uh, especially on like online teams where they're just going to give you a, a program or, and you're going to, they're going to say, Hey, we're going for the blocks. It's like, cool. Some of these people have never gone from the blocks. They don't know the correct positioning. <laughs> Everything is totally different. How you start from yeah. the blocks compared to how you start from the floor compared to how you start from the deficit. Um, yeah. Just a little one Oh, one Oh one block work. Uh, Mm -hmm. for people that are listening who may have never done blocks, if you're going from the knee, start with the bar on the ground with weight, stand it up to the knee like you're doing a clean deadlift. That's the position that your shin should be in when you're pulling from that position on the block. Exactly. A lot of people don't know that, and a lot of coaches don't know that people don't know that. Just because the coach knows it doesn't mean everyone else knows it. Right, right. And That's a really good tip, dude. Like... It took me a long time to figure that out. So thank you for saying that out loud. Yeah. I mean, we were on a team for years that the coach didn't ever explain any of that. And I was, yeah. I was ended up pulling people aside on the internet and explaining stuff to them and calling them and being like, Hey, this is, this is what you need to do for that. And this is what you need to do for this. And um, right. then all of a sudden it starts clicking and it's generally when people are like, Oh, I hate block work. It's like, Oh, you don't know how to do it. Yeah. I love block work. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love block work because it fixes things. It, it puts it like adjusts my body to get back in the position from off the floor. And I guess that's what it's for, right? It's all positional work in, in a way. Correct. I mean, yeah. yeah. Plus yeah. in my opinion, it's much safer and it's less taxing. Um, yeah. I was, I took five or six attempts at 182 a couple of weeks ago and there's no way I would have tried that from the floor. Because every, every one of those misses could have been like a tragic miss if I went from the floor. Yeah. But knowing that it's going to stop a foot and a half above and not crush me, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a good way to think of it. You know, um, so so basically what you're saying is, is find the team um, that has, I mean, I guess... I, every team is kind of uh, a representation of... I guess their coach, but it's also a representation of the community, but like finding a coach that, um, is going to, you know, uh, allow you to trust in them and also give you the right direction in the beginning. Um, I guess my example would be that from that would be like, you know, um, probably my most recent, you know, with Stephanie mm-hmm. and she was a phone call, we talked about goals. We talked about what we wanted to do. Um, and then she gave me a preface of like, hey, your first six weeks, you know, you're not going to go over 75%, maybe 80% one time. And she's like, that's by design. 
That's not meant for anything else, but to, to get you into a spot where I need you for the next, you know, cycle. Um, and I said, okay, you know, that's, that's fine with me. And, and then, you know, we talked about the kind of lifter I was and all that. And, and it just, within this kind of conversation, I got the feel that, um, not only did she know what she was doing on the program side of things, but like, you know, she genuinely has had experience doing this and wanted to, you know, wanted to see me, you know, progress. On top of that, she was able to answer questions. And I, I really appreciate that. Like, I'm the type of guy, like, she just ask my wife, like, I will ask five questions after every statement. And I'm <laughs> just because I'm like, I'm trying to understand. But I do, I ask a lot of questions. Well, why, why is this being done? Or, or what, what is this going to work on? Or, and that's an okay thing. Um, but I know that there's some people that just don't uh, respond well to that. So it was a nice, it was a good fit between me and Stephanie. And like, I was like, okay, cool. I'm, I feel comfortable going on, you know, paid for the program right there. And there it is. And I think that's a really, you know, you bring up a really good point because it's, you, you just, the, the coach, I think might, I think me might need to be at the top of that list because they affect everything else. The mentality, the, uh, you know, the exercises, the philosophy, the community, and, having having somebody up there that that you can talk to is really nice i think we've talked about that before too though yeah definitely i think one of the hard parts with coaches is they want you to follow a, a very common thing for coaches to say is like trust the process trust the program follow the program yeah um but sometimes they look down, they look at you like, or you, you, when you hear it, it's like, just shut up and listen, follow blindly. Right. And I think that that's really bad. If what you should, no coach should tell you to follow the program blindly and not be able to mm-hmm. explain it and back it up. And that's a right. big thing with her is she, and many other coaches that I've like had in the past is, they can explain what's going on, why we're doing something. You might not right. like it, but if they if you can't go to them and have them defend what they're making you do, then they're not a good coach. If they're just having exactly. you do stuff because, oh, this is cookie cutter and this is what someone else made me do and that's what I'm going to do now. Um, right, right. Like you need to know why things aren't done. There's certain things that I, to this day, st- I won't do. Because I, in my brain, I don't see the transfer over. And I have something that work, in my opinion, much better. It's not necessarily right. easier. It's a lot mm-hmm. of people, it's harder. But I, I would rather do a little extra work here and there instead of doing something that could be looked at as easier. Yeah, I. that's a really um, well said statement because you know, we always talk about like the, you know, there's, everybody talks about the, how hard weightlifting is and how hard it is on your body and, and what it puts you through in order to, you know, have some success in it. And, uh, you need to, you just, you need to know your body and you need to know what you can accomplish. And you also need to know where you're going to fail. And I also think that's an area for a coach to, to be able to spot. I, I mean, there's not one time I've sent uh, Stephanie a video and she doesn't have at least three pointers for me of where I need to tighten things up. And 
that that's the kind of feedback I like. Um, and I, you know, I've what I've been lifting for six years, seven years, six years. And I'm, you know, I consider myself still like, you know, I'm still learning I, and I'm, I'm going to always be learning. But like, I, I guess the reason why this came about is because like, and I heard this said on the podcast where there's, there's an online team, there's an app, there's in-person remote, which is, I think, different than online team. Um, and then there's the template. And we kind of went over that a little bit last time, but like, there are a lot of options to pick from in, in the world of being, getting programming and, and being on a team or a coach or, or just getting programming and not wanting anything. Like, you know, I think, uh, it's the, it's the cool thing to do to pick the popular, like, you know, places like, you know, Cal strength or, or whatever, like, you know, pick, but I, I, uh, I want, I, I guess I want to put the message out there that like, you're the one paying for the program, you know? So put your money to good use, I guess you could say, and put your time and your effort and your, your blood, sweat and tears to, to, to good use and really take the time to like, you know, put this, put the team, put the coach through the ringer before you choose say yes, because I think there's a, I've caught on to a couple mentalities out there that it's like, no, like the coach will be like, no, I'll tell you when you'll be on my team. And I think that that's okay to do. But um, in the world of what we do in America, American weightlifting, where most of us are hobbyists and like the 1% are the, are the actual team in comparison to across seas where you have the country is the team. <laughs> and that's, I'm guessing that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm sure there's people that lift, but like, um, I think that, uh, as lifters, we need to be smart with our decisions and pick the team that's going to work the best for us as individual lifters. And, uh, you know, part of the responsibility is on the coach to, to be able to say to somebody, yeah, I don't know if you're going to fit well, we can give it a shot, but like, go, let's try it. I don't, I don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. I get something else. I, I just, so I had a conversation with an old teammate earlier this week Okay, and I don't want to get like two into some of the stuff, but yeah, uh, yeah. one of the topics that came up was this team that I was on, I originally signed up for coaching to get coached. I told right. him up front, I don't, I'm not going to do your program. I do my team's program, but I'm also my team's coach. So I'm going to be doing that program along with them. But I, I would like some help being coached and being motivated and being held accountable to what I'm doing. Okay. Um, see what kind of it, like, <clears throat> I guess for a coach that's out there, like if any coaches are listening, coaches need coaches too. Yes. But are, is you want to know if the team is right or not, or if the coach is right is, do they have, are they willing to let you do what you're doing or do you have to do what they're doing? Right. I think that would be an important thing. And I think that would be, a, it would take a different type of coach, someone who knows much more what they're doing, who they can uh, kind of take the program and put it aside and just literally coach you on what you're doing instead of just being like, I'm going to, you're, I don't know. Does this make sense? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I see where you're going and I, I have a, a good response to it because I think, um, like the idea of jumping on a team and doing other programming 
it's not, I, to me, if the coach was like, no, I want you to do my programming, what is going to be the deciding factor for me is when I say, explain to me why. Yeah. And if they have an, if they have an explanation that tells me why that they think that I can um, do that. And I mean, I guess ultimately it's, you know, to get better at the lifts, I would, I would assume that that's kind of like the basis of that response. <laughs> but um, if, if the coach is, is convincing enough to say, Hey, listen, I totally respect that you're going to do that. Maybe, you know, throw me a day and let me program you on one of the days, or I don't even know if that's a thing, but like, um, I, I did, there's a gym here in Portland that, uh, they actually will not let you lift in the gym unless you're doing their program. And it doesn't matter your uh, weightlifting age. They are going to start you at day one and they're going to put you through like an onboarding. I totally get it. I totally get it. But it, that deters people who have been lifting for a little bit to be like, yeah, you know, do I want to take five steps back right now to do the, to, to just to have a physical place to lift? Or do I want to let, to let them, I want them to see me lift and say, okay, maybe we should drop you in at like week three because, or week six or whatever it is, you know, because that's where I think maybe you would fit better based off of what I'm seeing here. Um, so it just, uh, to me, it, it, uh, if I've never worked well with it's my way or the highway, yeah, never have. And what I think what that leads to is that leads to your athletes, maybe not following, um, the direction, uh, of the team, or maybe I think it leads to them looking elsewhere. Um, it leads to, uh, I mean, ultimately leads to not getting good at weightlifting because you're constantly out there looking for other things because you don't trust in your coach or your coach doesn't trust in you. And that's when you know you're on the wrong team. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that anyone who it's my way or the highway, like that's the nar- narcissistic kind of coach that isn't willing to be open to thinking that they might not know something and yeah. that they can be taught something better. Exactly. And I've owned a couple businesses in my life uh, and I've, what I'm doing right now is I'm not the owner, but I'm basically the owner of my little division of it and I can run it however Mm -hmm. I want. Uh, It's in construction. And oftentimes customers will ask me like, why are they doing it this way? Like, it seems like they should do it this way. And I, I straight up tell them like, it's not my job to tell them how to do their job. It's my job to tell them that this is the standard. I want it done when it's done. But if you want to do Mm -hmm. this step first and not do that step, I'm not paying you by the hour. I'm paying you for the job. So it might not be the way that I would do it, but if you want to do it that way, then that's okay. And then there's been multiple times where they can explain to me why they're doing it the way they do it. I'm like, that makes more sense. Now I would do it that way. So, well, and that's a, I'm going to kind of do the same thing you just did and, and relate it back to my industry because um, this actually happened over the weekend where we were looking for somewhere to take Alana's cousins. And there's one of my favorite restaurants. It's called, uh, it's called Mech for short, but it's Mediterranean exploration company. It's a, it's, it, then it's actually, it's a really, really nice restaurant, tapas plates and everything. But the one thing, you know, when you go there and it says it in bold writing on the, on the menu, like no substitutions, no altering the dishes, nothing. 
And then it goes into saying, you pay us as professionals to provide you with a specific kind of dish, you know, let us feed that to you if you, and then like I've, and I've been with people that have been like, Hey, can you take the mayonnaise off that? And they'll be like, no, you want the mayonnaise off? Take it off yourself. In the, in the restaurant world, that's called a destination uh, restaurant. That's a restaurant you go to for an experience. Um, but in the majority of what you do in restaurants, like you want somebody, if somebody comes in and is like, Hey, I don't like onions. Can we take it off the burger or just put it on the side? You're going to do it, you know, because ultimately that's the customer and they want to, uh, they want, they're paying you for a service. They're paying you to, to feed them and provide them with an experience. And so the two, the two uh, schools there in, in, in my industry is, um, you know, it's tough because I will only go to this Mediterranean place like maybe once or twice a year. And I sure as hell, I'm not taking my wife because she's a picky eater <laughs> and she knows that. Like, she's like, no, I don't want to go there, <laughs> like, but, um, and that's okay. We're okay with that. But like, think about if they were a little, they had a different mentality or a different look on it of like, Hey, listen, we know, you know, we are the professionals. Let me provide you with some education on why we're doing this. And then if you still don't want it or it's an allergy or something, um, maybe let me direct you in something that might fit you better. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is here, but I do know that I'm going to frequent a restaurant where I can put a little bit of altercations on my food if I want to, or let me, let me back up. My wife can put a little bit of altercations <laughs> cause I don't alter food. I just eat everything. Um, but like she, you know, to, to provide a, an experience for her too. And, uh, it's, you're going to ultimately come out and be like, I'm probably going to spend more money there than I am at this destination place. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting topic. Um, so now let me ask you this when you're okay. So we've talked about like the idea of if a, uh, maybe a new lifter or someone, uh, someone young in the game is, is looking for a new team. How does somebody like you look for a new team? <laughs> like, and I'm not saying you specifically, but I'm saying like maybe somebody 10 years in, 20, you know, 15 years in, they're like, you know what? I, I'm on, or maybe somebody that wants to get back in the game. I got to look for something new. And I know there's a lot of egos out there and there's probably like people like, I know what I'm doing. If I'm 15 years in great, more power to you. But like, maybe there aren't people, there's people out there that might want to find something because a lot has changed in the game or whatever. I would first off try to figure out why you're looking for a new team if you're 10, 15 years yeah. in. Uh, if it's That's a good point, if it's because you're the problem, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, That's then that would be that would be one thing I would that would be one one specific conversation. Uh, yeah, for me, I was a different conversation where uh, I was a part of a team. That team literally the whole team moved to a new gym. Then yeah. lockdowns happened and that team dissolved and went away. And six months before that happened is when I started on another team, but just as for being coached. Right. Uh, then once the, the initial team went away, it was like, well, I don't really have a program right now. So I guess I'll jump on the other one's program. Yeah. And then that just got to be the point where I knew that I was, and I'm not trying to be sound cocky or whatever here, but I knew I wasn't going to get to where I wanted to go with that team. They, they didn't, that was a, 
that was a community-based team. Let's just say that. Yeah. They were yeah. very close. Safe to say. Uh, my way or the highway, but it was they their whole thing is they were big on the their community, even though it was online and it was a mm-hmm. it was a national eh, international. It was a it was an internet team that was very close. Yeah. It was online, yeah, online-based team. But there was only, I knew that there was only so far that I could get with that team after about a year, year and a half, so I stopped. Right. I, I started venturing out on my own. So Yeah, well, yeah. you also found a – I mean, you came upon uh, Strength Tank, and, and I I remember when you did, you were like, hey, I went and checked out this gym, Strength Tank, and, and I remember – I vaguely remember the conversation, but, like, there was – and I'm going to refer back to something you said – um, in a, in a less, uh, past, uh, podcast with us, which is you're always leaving 10% off on, on the <laughs> table. If you're doing, if you're not in like in person, I probably butchered that, but, um, but there it is right there. Yeah. Like you found a physical space, you found people that were, you were relatable. Like why wouldn't you make that move? Yeah. Like, yeah. So it, and that makes sense. it was, I don't know what have the right words to say, but it was a a risk I took when I decided to go and start their programming because um, I went from the weightlifting AI, which I really loved. Um, mm-hmm. What I've told people is, weightlifting AI got me to a to one fifty one seventy one. Okay. In realistically, in about four or five months. From like 146 to 150, and from 166 to 171, in about five months. Wow! Wow! Uh, I've I'm convinced if I stayed on that program, I would be low 60s, mid 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, within about another, I've been off that for close to a year i'd say by the end of next year i could be at those numbers if not sooner but i don't know if my body could handle that and to me those numbers are not worth hitting if it means i'm going to get i'm going to need surgery i'm going to need like possible career (laughs) career ending stuff yeah so i actually purposely made a conscious decision to not do that team yeah that makes sense well, you know, the thing with the AI, um, because I did it for a hot second as well, and although I didn't give it its proper uh, time, but at the same point, um, it provided feedback, but it didn't, it provided AI-type feedback. It was, it was like you had to initiate the feedback. Um, it does auto-regulate, I know that. Um, and uh, it, it's, the, the program is solid. The program, the way it's written, is uh, is great. Um, I think for I, where I'm at in my level, I was like, I need a little bit more feedback um, to what I'm doing. And so, I guess what where you know where that question has gone is uh, like, you know, you you know what you you knew what you needed. You knew when you could get there, and you just picked the best freaking option, which was. Yeah. The strength thing, because that's going to be, you know, maybe you could get there faster with AI, but you, like you said, you're risking 
you know, your health, your, your, your body and you need your body for work. So it's like, yeah, like you can't risk that. The hardest, one of the hard parts with AI is you put in how long you want your cycle to be. You put in how long till you're going to peak, how long till you're going to go heavy. Right. And then you complete that cycle and then you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. Yeah. And you're not going to get what I have now is finished that meet a couple months ago, basically had two ish months where I really I was just hanging out lifting weights. I wasn't yeah. pushing. I wasn't going super light. It was like just kind of going through the motions and then letting the body start to recover, start to heal. That wouldn't happen with AI. So I guess that's probably its biggest downfall is you're not going to put in like a 16, 18 week cycle. You're going to put in a 12 week cycle again, and then it's just going to like skyrocket you again. So just do it again. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. But when I decided to kind of take that risk and talk to strength tank about doing the program, I said, I'm not someone who is, I'm not going to follow everything and I'm going to modify things and I'm going to go heavier on certain days and I'm going to go lighter on certain days. And I know that when people say that, like, I'm going to go off program, they almost always mean they're going to go heavier, but there's going to be a lot more lighter days than heavy days. Yeah. And yeah, they, they uh, agreed to it, and <laughs> there it is. You know, um, yeah, and I think that's a, a that goes back to what we were saying before. Is is you have a coach there? Well, there's a couple coaches there that um, you know see your ability and see the talent that you have, and is willing to be like, yeah, of course you can come lift here um, with some of our programming and use your knowledge. Like to me, if I if I was a coach, which I'm not. But if I was a coach, I would want to bring in um, lifters that had the knowledge to be able to auto-regulate themselves. Because that's kind of, I guess maybe auto-regulates, it's a big, you know, trendy word right now. But like, that's kind of what you're talking about is you know what what you're going to do, what your body can do and what your body can't do. Um, And I think it takes, you know, your experience and your time in the sport to be able to do that. Um, I'm just now starting to learn about like auto regulation and it's um, I can't get past my own ego on it sometimes, which, <laughs> you know, it's a thing, <laughs> but um, uh, it, it's, it's such a huge tool. And so this, and it kind of leads me to a question that I had um, that was actually going to be the basis of this podcast before this one came up, which was, is there, is there a, such thing as, is a cycle that's too long in time? Um, before like, or do you have to have a peak or can you just keep going or like at what point, and I'll tell you why this, this, where this came from, but at one point, at what point in a cycle are you like, my body is done right now. I need to take maybe like a week off and then go back at it. Like, is that a thing? I think that's definitely a thing, but I think that if you get to that point, yeah, uh, being a master, there's going to be, it's different body rules. I mean, yeah, like I, yeah. I've I've said before that being a master and doing an actual potential like twelve week cycle with a very big peak at the end, you might peak the week before your competition. You might peak the week after. <laughs> like yep. if everything works out, you're going to peak on the day, on the hour, on the minute that you're supposed to. But it's a it's a coin flip. Yeah. Well, this, and so it stems from, it doesn't stem from my personal experience, but it's like, uh, I have a buddy that, um, 
he's competing around the same time uh, I am, but at a different meet. And I saw him two weeks ago, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. And he's like, yeah, I'm on a, I'm on a bit of a, a taper week. And I'm like, wait a minute. When, when's your, when's your meet? And he goes, oh, it's at the end of October. And I looked at him, I go, is that, is that kind of normal to how your coach does things? And he, and he goes, no, he's like, my body just, he's like, got to the point where I wasn't able to, you know, do 80% very well, or even get it up half the time. And so coach just had me go on a taper week real quick. And, and, uh, and then he's going to peak me for the, uh, for the meet. So I was like, interesting. I've never heard of that, but, but then again, I, you know, I've only tried like three different programs. So <laughs> nice. I, I'm, I'm sometimes a stickler for, for little things and I don't want to be like, Oh, well, this is what they're actually supposed to, uh, like, as, <laughs> yeah, I, as totally. I push my, my glasses up actually, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be more what I would consider a deload, not a taper. Yeah. It's, okay. I had a conversation with Damon, I think last week, and he was saying that he doesn't want to do like a two week taper and all this kind of stuff. And he wants the one week. And I said, well, the big reason why people do a two week is they're going to do one week where they're going to taper back from whatever your program is doing. Let's say you're, you're in the middle of a 12, you're on week six of a, or you're on week, you're on week six of a 12 week cycle and you're going to compete in two weeks. And right now you're doing a whole bunch of hang work. Well, you're getting really good at the hang. You're not getting good at competition lifts from the floor. So we're going to taper you back to the floor. So we're going to spend a week getting you used to competition lifts. And then we're going to take a week to deload you so that you're going to be recovered and ready to just ruin your body at the meet. (laughs) So, which is going to be the best meet ever, but yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. And I get that. Um, I've done the two-week taper. I've done the one-week taper. But I understand the two-week taper and why it's there and why it works. Uh, man, we could probably talk all night about this. I'm trying to think. I, it looks like I hit pretty much everything I wanted to, like, talk about in this subject. But, like, I think ultimately just to kind of, you know, wrap up this topic is, like, you know, if you're a lifter out there, lift, like, listening to this, you know, do what's best for your lifting, you know, don't, don't chase the stars. Uh, don't think you're better. Find somewhere in the middle, work in the gray area. I I guess that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking is like work in the gray area a little bit, find that team, try new teams, you know, lift with different people and get out there and just see what works for you. And then, and then find your way because, you know, speaking from experience, like when you do and you find a program that's, that's kicking ass, like, I tell you, weightlifting is never more fun and dreadful at the same time. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think so. one more just little tidbit on there is yeah, everything nowadays is instant gratification. And yeah. they want – like I'm surprised honestly that Instagram has gone now to longer than 15-second videos. But they know that if they can hold your – they can only re- – they're only really trying to hold your – attention for 15 seconds then they'll hold you longer but everything is instant gratification instant this instant that Uh, you can basically get whatever you want if you have mommy daddy's money like all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and everybody wants to be a professional and everybody wants to do the expert program and everyone wants to do that kind of stuff it yeah you have to once you realize that you have to earn it 
that's where you're going to get better. Um, we haven't talked about it on this show, but I know that you talked about it with Eric on another show about straps and yeah. when straps should be worn and when they shouldn't be worn. And like, I have lots of opinions on that. I have, yep. I wear, I personally, I wear straps almost every time I snatch. I didn't do that for four years. Okay. I didn't touch straps for probably three and a half to four years. Uh, I earned hand strength and I earned wearing straps for every single lift. I put on straps for that. 50 kilos. Yeah. But at the same time, on Friday, my top top lift, I think, was 122 or 126, somewhere in some mm -hmm. weird random number. Um, I wore straps <laughs> the entire way through. And then last set, I went chopped up and just made the snatch. And it was the best one I did. Yeah. So I don't need that. Same with if you want to modify your program, what do you? What have you earned to be able to come to your coach and say, this uh, is what I need, why I want to do this? I like that. So that, you know, that, that puts your money where your mouth is. And it's like, you know, if you've put in the work and you've earned it and you've shown that you, I mean, you've shown all the, you know, the key points, you've checked the list off and then you can go and say, Hey, I want to try this because I think I'm good at this. Um, don't, don't try to do that at the very beginning. You know what? Uh, I, uh, this is bad, but I'm getting old, I guess, but I don't remember that, uh, that podcast. I don't remember what I was saying during that podcast, but I know I've evolved from then. And I know that like, I use straps during certain times and then I stop using straps during certain times. I have not figured out the rhyme or the rhythm behind that. I don't know what it is. I just know that sometimes I need them and sometimes I don't. And I use them as a tool and that's what they are. Yeah. They're a tool for me to, to help me lift. And, and, uh, but there's also, I think a part of me that, um, wants to work on that grip strength more. Sure. And, and I, you know, and that I could go down a whole rabbit hole on, on the whole strap conversation because I think there's a, it's an interesting topic. Um, but we'll, we'll save that for next time. Uh, yeah, dude, this has been a super good show. I like it next week. Yeah. Straps and belts. Ooh. Straps. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing that down. <laughs> so I do not forget my old man over here. Um, yes. Yeah, straps and belt. I love that. Um, okay, cool. Dude, uh, thanks for coming on. I, I love this. Uh, this is a great show. People, people are loving it. I, we hung out with some of Alana's cousins. They're like 50, 50 years old-ish. And they're like, we're going to listen to you guys' show. And, and then they listened and they're like, well, we loved it. And so, <laughs> they, you know, one of them, one of them uh, he was started talking to me about Lasha. And I'm like, yeah, you're cool. You can come back anytime. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a good time. But hey, buddy, uh, have a good night. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll talk to you throughout the week and uh, definitely next week. Sounds good. 